Good morning, my brothers in Christ. Let's start off with a quick opening prayer that I want you guys to hear something before I launch into today's morning's presentation. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh Lord, open up my lips so that my mouth may proclaim your praises. Lord, give me the tongue of an angel that I may speak the truth in love. I pray this in Jesus' mighty, holy, powerful, sweet, precious, majestic name through Mother Mary's intercession, the Mother of God, Virgin Most Powerful, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want you to hear a small video. It's called a short clip, If I Were the Devil by Paul Harvey. Can you play it? If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey said that in 1965. If I were the devil, everything he said in 1965 has happened. Everything. <laughs> This first presentation, I'm going to give you the bad news, 
And my second presentation, I'm going to give you the good news. Most of you have never heard the bad news clearly, so you're going to hear it now, okay? Number one, most people are not going to go to heaven. Who says this? The Son of God. Not me. Every single verse in the Bible where the Lord Jesus Christ speaks himself, he says things like in Matthew 22, many are called, called where? To heaven. Few are chosen. He says in Luke chapter 13, strive to enter heaven by the narrow gate. Few people find it. The path to perdition is wide, and many people walk thereby. A hundred percent of the times when the Son of God speaks, he says, few people will get to heaven. Don't you believe that for a second? The heresy of universal salvation. That's not Catholic. To get to heaven, it's a narrow path. John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but through me. I've had that conversation with Muslims when we talk about this. This one Muslim, when I told him in John chapter 14, I said, you need to believe in Jesus Christ to be saved. He wanted to kill me after. Literally. Another Muslim that I had that conversation with, I said, you can't be saved by Islam or Judaism or any other boot or Confucianism. There's only one way to be saved, that's through Jesus. He was more open. He started crying. He said, you know what? You're the first Catholic that's ever told me that. And I told him why. I'm going to tell you why we follow Jesus. Let me be, for two minutes, a little public relations uh, manager of our Lord Jesus Christ, as if he needs it. Jesus is the unique Son of God. There's no, there is no other Son of God in the world that has his nature. You and me are sons of God through baptism, by adoption, St. Paul says in Romans chapter 8. Jesus is the Son of God by nature. He's one with the Father. That's a big difference from me being a son of God. I'm a son of God incorporated through baptism, and so are you. Muhammad's not the son of God by nature. Neither is Buddha. Neither is Abraham. Neither is Moses. Neither is Gandhi. Neither is Zoroaster. God only has one son. It's Jesus. And this one son was the greatest teacher that ever lived. When I was in Israel, I've been there a couple of times. I remember the last time I was there, there was a professor from Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Dr. Hannah Safai was giving a lecture. And, uh, and he said that of all the teachers that have ever lived in the world, and this is a practicing Jew who's not Christian, doesn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Dr. Hannah Safri says, when you study all the teachers in the world, there is nobody that taught like Jesus Christ anywhere. He's the master teacher. He, he was the personification of wisdom. His words are the most sublime words ever spoken on planet Earth by any teacher. Dr. Hannah Safri, a non-Christian, says, there's nobody in the world that ever walked this planet that talked like Jesus of Nazareth. What else makes him different? 
He performed miracles in his name. Oh yeah, Moses performed miracles in Elijah in God's name. They call God. What's a miracle? When God intervenes in the normal course of nature and does something that, that's beyond the law of physics and gravity and nature. That's a miracle. That's something supernatural above nature. Jesus performed miracles in his name, 36. On radio when Muslims called me up and they asked me, well, you know, Muhammad and stuff, uh, he had a great message as well. I said, forget about the message. He didn't have a good message. I said, but I'll tell you one thing about Muhammad. And I'm, on radio, I'm always challenging Muslims. I said, how many miracles did he perform? Zero. Jesus performed 36 in the New Testament. 36 miracles. Jesus is the only person that rose from the dead. Everybody else, Abraham, Moses, Zoroaster, Gandhi, Confucius, where are they at? Probably good men, probably decent men. All of them are dead and buried six feet under. They couldn't save themselves. They can't save you. They can't save anybody. They're men like you and me. Jesus is more than a man. He's more than a carpenter. He's the son of God. He's the only person that ever said, destroy this body and in three days I will raise it up. And he did. We follow a living savior. We don't follow some dead relic, some dead person from history. He's alive and he's coming back. That's who we follow. This is our Jesus. The world needs to know about him. The Bible also shows he had power over demons. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and count his encounters with the devil, he performed 27 exorcisms. And he won every single time. If Jesus Christ was a fighter, he'd be 27 and 0 against Satan. 27 and 0. There's nobody like him. Jesus wants us to go to heaven. He died for our sins to pay the price. That's called objective redemption. A lot of people say, well, he died for my sins, so I'm going to go to heaven. Now you got to respond. He did the heavy lifting. Now you have to say, Lord, I surrender. I will follow you. I want to be your disciple. Salvation in the Catholic Church is a free gift. You've done nothing, I've done nothing to merit this gift. But you can tell Jesus, I don't want it. I don't want it, take it. You can squander the gift. You can reject the gift that's freely given to you, which is salvation from the Lord Jesus Christ. His death is for everybody, Muslim, Jew, atheist, pagan. But they got to come to Jesus. Everybody, one at a time, from your heart. As Catholics, that's why we have an advantage over every other person on planet Earth. Catholics are the New Testament chosen people of God. We are the new Israel. The Catholic Church, Catholics in general, are God's people of the New Testament. We have an advantage to get to heaven. But there's somebody that wants to prevent us from getting to heaven. It's called the devil. So who is the devil? The devil is a fallen angel. His name was Lucifer. God created the angels instantly. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. The Bible says, 
And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. At that moment, the church teaches, all the angels that exist right now were created ex nihilo, instantly, out of nothing. Angels are of a higher species than we are. Human beings, we, are, we have natural powers. Angels are of a higher species. They don't have a body. They have what's called preternatural powers. For example, an angel is about a million times more intelligent than the, the, the human person with the highest IQ on planet Earth. Angels move by speed of thought. They think, right now they're in Michigan, they can think about being in China, and they move by speed of thought. Angels don't have bodies, so they don't get tired, they don't need to sleep. They don't get hungry, they don't get thirsty. Now, when God created all the angels, God showed all the angels salvation history in stages. And God showed all the angels that in the future he would send his son into the world the second person of the blessed trinity and would and would take on a human body become incarnate live a perfect life and die for our sins and and pay the price the sin debt for us Lucifer saw God's plan unveiled before all the angels and Lucifer said I will not serve if the son of God becomes a man I will not serve him because he has a human body and as an angel we're of a higher species than humans I will not serve God if he becomes a man and he says and I will not honor the woman that gives him a body and so Lucifer rebelled. Lucifer was God's greatest creation at that moment. He was God's masterpiece. Everything I'm saying right now, you can read it. It's in this book I wrote. It's called The Devil in the City of Angels. Chapter 1, I go through all the history of how the angels were created, how Lucifer, I go in detail, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Augustine, but I'm just giving you the, the, over, the narrative. And so, there was another angel, an inferior angel, because the angels have a rank structure. The Catholic Church has taught us that there are nine choirs or nine ranks of angels. The highest angels are called the seraphims. The word seraphim in Hebrew, seraph, means the burning ones. And you have the angels all the way down into descending order. Archangels are the second rank angels of the nine choirs. Seraphim are nine to the top. Lucifer was a seraphim. The seraphim are so powerful that the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6 that they have six wings. They're around the throne of God day and night. And all they do is, they're like God's secret service. All they do is say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord with their six wings. And they cover their eyes because they're in the presence of Almighty God. Who's, who's just the effulgence of his light and glory. The, the angels have to veil their eyes to be in his presence. Lucifer was a seraphim. The Jewish rabbis tell us at the time of Christ, in the Talmud, they tell us that Lucifer was such a powerful seraphim that he's the only seraphim that God ever created that had 12 wings. No other angel. 
in the economy of the billions and billions of angels that God ever created was like Lucifer. It means the light bearer, the son of the morning dawn, 12 wings. He was a super angel. Michael the archangel, when he saw Lucifer rebel against God, Michael stepped out. Mikael means who is like unto God in Hebrew. And he looks at Lucifer. Mikael, you're not God, and we're not going to follow you. At that moment, all the angels had to make an irrevocable, definitive decision. Will I follow God or not? Lucifer says, I will not serve. I will not. If God becomes a man, I will not serve. At that moment, a third of the angels, along with Lucifer, they said, non serviam, I will not serve. They followed Lucifer. Lucifer became their father at that moment. Lucifer became the prince of the kingdom of darkness. Michael, on the other hand, and two-thirds of the angels said to God, we will serve and we will follow you. At that moment, the Catholic Church says, Michael became the leader of the army of angels, the commander of the army of angels in heaven. Two-thirds of the angels also made a decision to follow Michael. The Bible describes in Revelation chapter 12, it's all in there, a war broke out in heaven. Lucifer versus Michael. Two-thirds of the good angels, one-third of the bad angels. They fought. The Bible describes the, the war. It says there was a war in heaven. Lucifer lost. And his fallen angels lost. What do we call fallen angels? We call them demons. The word demon in Greek means a spirit who divides. Demons want to divide you from God. They want to divide you from your family. They want to divide you from your faith. They want to divide your thoughts. They want you to think about God on one end and pornography on the other side. Demons are all about division. They want to divide this country using Antifa and Black Lives Matter and Marxism. Demons are all about division. The word devil means destroyer. That's their father or exterminator. The devil wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy the Catholic Church. He wants to destroy our country. He wants to destroy freedom and liberty. He wants to destroy the church especially. The church is the moral bastion that stands in opposition to the kingdom of darkness. When the devil and Michael, and they, they fought in heaven, the devil lost. And the Bible says that the devil and the fallen angels were cast down to earth. So where are the fallen angels? They're here on earth. They're here. You can't see them because they don't have a body. Demons can't be seen, but they can be felt. Angels cannot be seen. You can, they can be felt, their presence. I'll give you an example. You've all, felt a, you've all felt a demon. I'll give you an example. Anybody here ever have a nightmare, a vicious nightmare, and then all of a sudden you feel like if something's on top of you, like you can't even move. 
your, your body, some weight is on top of you and you feel right even next to your face the presence you can sometimes even hear the words the running commentary running commentary of something evil in your room and you can't see nothing and you're trying to move and you're trying to wake up that's called demonic obsession demons cannot be seen they can be felt how do demons I told you the first talk I'm gonna give you the bad news because I want you to stick around for the good news because Catholics are used to hearing you come to church God loves you God has mercy God loves you God has mercy and guys are just like I'm not gonna bore you I'm gonna tell you things you've never heard before I've been involved in an exorcism team for years I've seen this up close this one book I wrote here, I wrote about a lot of my experiences. I've seen what Satan can do to people. These are field experiences where you can see what... The things that I've seen, I can never unsee anymore. I can't even take them out of my mind. I can't. They're burned there forever until I get to heaven and God purifies my mind one day. But when you see some of these things, you'll never be the same again. The fact is, the Bible calls demons unclean spirits 21 times in the New Testament. What are demons attracted to? Very simple. It's like biology and math. Like, like attracts like. Demons are attracted to unclean people. I'm going to say it again. Demons are unclean spirits and they're attracted to unclean people. You have to make sure, that's what I'm going to talk about on my second time. What does it mean to live in a state of grace, to live a life of purity and holiness and virtue? That's my second talk. But right now, I'm, going to get, I'm just going to give you nothing but the bad news. You have to hear it. As, as Catholics, we know that the church teaches us that every one of us, at the moment of conception, God assigned an angel to protect us. One of the roles of an angel is to protect us. The moment you are conceived in your mother's womb, that angel is going to journey with you until you die and take you to the, to the feet of Jesus for your judgment. Then the angel's job is over. Then the angel goes to heaven forever. Angels have one mission. They're, they're mission specific. They're assigned one human person to guard, to light, to rule, and to guide you in this life. Get you to the feet of Jesus for your particular judgment. Then they go to heaven. They did their job. At the same time, the devil also assigns a demon to everybody as well. So the, the whole theology about, you probably see it in, see in cartoons, you know, an angel on one shoulder, a demon on another shoulder, that's true. St. Thomas Aquinas says that. That's not cartoons, that's, that's real. And how do you know, I'm going to tell you how you can know when something's from an angel, something's from a demon. It's called discernment. Angels will leave, and demons will leave an impression in your mind or in your heart where you, where you, where you know, like, when you have this moment where you're called to do something like good or pious or noble or virtuous, and you just felt it in your heart, like, help this old lady with her groceries to the car. If something was just pressing you to do it in your heart. That came from your garden angel. That's what they do. They don't speak audibly most of the time. It's inaudibly. They leave impressions in the heart and mind, and they move. They help you move the will. 
and now the, move, the will moves towards virtue. Demons do the same thing. Demons, demons are worse, actually. What they do is they project. They're always projecting. The word project means send forth. They send forth thoughts into your mind. They send forth images into your mind. They send forth phantasms, locutions, apparitions. Demons will, you'll actually sometimes even hear them just talking to you. I know so many people will say, Jess, I can't get this voice out of my mind. That's why I put earplugs all day. This voice is always saying, kill yourself. You're no good. Kill your parents. You're, an, you're, 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 you're a loser. It just, it doesn't stop. That's what they do. They torment the mind. And, and the second talk, I'm going to tell you how to protect yourself from that. The good news is... The job of a guardian angel, the number one job of a guardian angel is to protect you individually from the demon, from the demon that was assigned to you. And we know that angels are more powerful than demons, much more. The demons, when they fell from heaven and to earth, they lost some of their power. They lost some of their power because their power comes from God. Now, they're not united with God anymore. The angels are. So the angels, they're more powerful because they tap into the power of God. Demons are just operating under their own power as fallen angels, but they're no longer plugged into God. So they lost some of their power. And this is why angels are more powerful than demons. The proof is in the pudding. Michael the archangel is an archangel, okay? That's a second rung of the ladder, second from the bottom. Lucifer was a seraphim. The Bible tells us Michael kicked Lucifer's butt. That's, that's a two-striper, Michael. Beat a nine-striper, Lucifer. Again, why are the angels more powerful than the demons? Because the angels draw their power from God. And the demons no longer do. The demons roam the earth, though. That's what the Bible says. 1 John 5, 19. The Bible says this. We are of God, comma, and the whole world is under the power of the devil. Right in the Bible. 1 John 5, 19. We are of God, us, us, comma, and the whole world is under the power of the devil. You want to know how the devil operates? It's in the catechism. Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 407. It tells us the devil operates in these four ways. This is how he goes after us. Number one, he uses politics. What, what I'm saying is right, it's church teaching. The devil uses politics to go after us. Paragraph 407. Huh. Interesting. I'll prove it to you. Communism, Nazism, socialism, fascism, America right now. The devil uses evil men as his useful idiots. Demons are primary evil. They are prime, they're pure evil. They'll never repent. They'll never go back and want to be with God as angels. Their, their will is fixed. They've made an irrevocable decision. 
never to be good and noble and holy and obedient. They're wicked. They're evil. It's a waste of time to say, oh, I'm going to pray for the devil so he'll have a conversion. You're wasting your time. He's pure evil. And so as, as Catholics, demons who are primary evil, they look at weak people that are living lives, reckless lives of mortal sin, and they go after and use weak people like Fauci. Use weak people like Biden. Use weak people like Nancy Pelosi. They look at people that are lukewarm Catholics, apostate Catholics, Catholics by name only, that don't have their intellect well formed by the Word of God. They don't have a strong will for the gospel. In fact, the famous exorcist, Father Gabriel Amorth, Rome's exorcist for 29 years, rest in peace, passed away in 2016. In an interview before he died, he says, the devil goes after politicians preferably. This is from the, the top exorcist that just passed away in Rome. They asked him, why does the devil go after politicians, Father Gabriel Amorth? He says, because they have a lot of influence. Who do you think the devil is going to go after? If there's a homeless person on Detroit, on the living on the streets, slamming heroin, selling his body for crack, okay, obviously those are, those are sins in themselves, or a president or a speaker of the house, if the, devil, if, the, if the devil picks, who am I going to go after to use as my instrument, where's the devil going to get more gunpowder from? The politician. Why? He has much more power than a heroin addict in Detroit that's slamming, him, slamming himself in the vein on the street. The devil goes after power players like Bill Gates, like George Soros, billionaires. He goes after scientists, the big thinkers like Fauci. This is the way the devil operates. Why? Archbishop Fulton Sheen, Venerable Fulton Sheen says, the devil goes after powerful, influential people that have money. Why? Because they can maximize damage in society. What can a heroin addict or a prostitute in Detroit, how much damage can they do to society? They're destroying themselves. The second way the devil attacks us, well, everything I'm telling you is in paragraph 407, how the devil attacks us. I'm just putting names in there, okay, to make it very relevant. The second way the devil attacks us is through education, right? Education. Ever since 1970 in the United States, everybody that's gone to public school after 1970, you may not know it, but you received a communist education. It's called Marxist education since 1970. How do we know? In 1970 in the United States of America, a professor by the name of John Dewey from Columbia University, an atheist who hated God, he gave a, he gave a speech to the National Education Association. And in that speech, he convinced every, all the educators in the United States that we have to remove all reference to God, to morality, to the Ten Commandments, to Jesus Christ, to purity, to morality. All that has to be removed from public education. So the National Education Association says, wow, that's, yeah, we like what you have to say, Professor John Dewey. They worshiped him. 
And so after 1970, all the public school books have been rewritten to exclude any mention of God or morality or religion or the Ten Commandments. So it's a pure secular socialist education that people are receiving right now. And it's even worse now. You got Common Core, you got Critical Race Theory, you got Moral Relativism, you got Values Clarification, you got Queer Studies, you got Gender Studies. The devil goes after education. It's right in the catechism. This is how he's going after our kids and young people. The third thing the devil does and how he goes after us in society, the catechism says he goes after us through social action. Social action. Well, social action. You have a lot of people that are saying, well, you know, we have to... Uh, reduce the population on planet earth because there's too many people and we've got to save the planet because this is this is a social justice issue we have to save the planet and there's the, there's too many human beings and the carbon footprint is, is too large we have to minimize the so we need abortion we need contraception you know we need to reduce the population because well, you know we've got to save the planet uh, uh, AOC, the, the congresswoman from uh, New York, said that if we don't reduce the, the population and reduce the carbon footprint here in the planet, the, the Earth will be extinct within 12 years. We're not going to exist in 12 years. This is a congresswoman saying this, that we've got 12 years left. I don't know what, what crystal ball she's looking at. Maybe Satan's crystal ball. But the so what are the social action things are? Think about Antifa, Black Lives Matter, Occupy Wall Street. What about Hitler? How did Hitler get rid of his opponents? He used these young guys, young anarchists called the brown shirts. These, the social action, the devil uses these groups to promote evil. Is there anything good coming out of Antifa and Black Lives Matter? Watch them, how they operate, what they say. Look at their website, what they're doing to our country, to our cities and our schools. It's pure Marxist evil. What's the fourth thing that the devil does? Every, what paragraph am I quoting? Paragraph what? 407. Okay. The next way the d d devil goes after us in society Paragraph 407, he goes after the morality in a society. The morality. In this book, well, I'm going to make a lot of friends today. In this book that I wrote, Knocked Off the Donkey, I basically wrote this book, Why a Catholic Can't Be a Democrat. Okay, I'm just, just put it out there. Some of you guys may get up and walk out. Well, I don't care. That's why I wrote this book, Why Catholics Can't Be. If you want all the ammunition, what got Father Altman in trouble... I wrote a whole book on it, okay? I have a chapter here where it talks about, I, I document how, how our country was taken over by the devil. That chapter is called, page seven, Liberalism, a Recipe for Anarchy, okay? Remember what the catechism says, the devil goes after morality, a country's morality. Well, what happened in our country? Look at the 60s. Look at the 60s, what happened, okay? Well, start from 55. 52. A lot of you guys, you guys won't know this. Did you know that the Catholic Church actually had control over Hollywood movies? Here's what happened. 
In the 1930s, the U.S. bishops, when we didn't have that many corrupt bishops, when we had really good bishops back then, um, they started a group because Hollywood started making movies, the, you know, the television was, was, was invented, you know, cameras, and so the U.S. bishops saw, whoa, this could be a problem. Now that they're going to start putting, you know, the, Hollywood's going to start making movies and putting them on a big screen and people are going to go watch them on the weekends and eat popcorn. So the church, when we didn't have that many corrupt bishops, they started a group called the Legion of Decency. And they were powerful because all the bishops were on board at that moment. And they basically told Hollywood, hey, we're going to oversee what you guys do. And we're going to make sure that your movies are ethical. They call this the golden years of Hollywood from the 30s to the 50s. The Catholic Church was like all over Hollywood. They'd make a movie. The bishops would go over there. They'd say, okay, we want, we want, to, we want to see the movie. We, we want to screen the movie. They'd sit there and they'd say, you're not going to release that. And the Catholic bishops called the Jewish rabbis and the Protestants. So now they had all the major religions in this country breathing down Hollywood's neck. It was called the Legion of Decency, started by the Catholic Church. Well, in 1952, the U.S. Supreme Court basically ruled that censorship is no longer allowed in the United States. So Hollywood told the bishops, bye-bye, we don't have to listen to you no more. U.S. Supreme Court says we don't have to censor any movies. 1955, Hugh Hefner starts Playboy. That's another uh, son of Satan. Uh, 1954. The IRS, Senator, Democrat Senator Linda B. Johnson, he inserted an amendment into the tax bill and he basically said that uh, nonprofit organizations like, like all churches can't make any political statements from the pulpit. The Democrats did this in 1954. Then we have 1962, the U.S. Supreme Court bans prayer in public school. Before 1962 at homeroom, there, there was a generic prayer that they started every homeroom with before 1962. 1963, the U.S. Supreme Court bans Bibles in public schools. Bibles were allowed to be read and taught in public schools as religious literature for morality before 1963. The U.S. Supreme Court took that. 1964. Berkeley, California starts the free speech movement, which basically means you can go up to some a speaker that's giving a lecture and go up to his face and cuss him out. You're right. You can go drop F-bombs, put your middle finger right in front of his face. It's called the free speech movement. That happened in Berkeley, California in 1964. 1965, birth control was legalized by the U.S. Supreme Court, Griswold versus Connecticut. Why? Because Playboy, Hugh Hefner, needed, he said, man, a lot of my Playboy buddies are getting pregnant. What's going on here? I can't have this. I, I, need, them, I need them to sleep around, sleep around. 3,000 men. I could get 3,000 men out of, out of every girl. Well, you know what? We got to put these, we got to invent something so they can't get pregnant. Hugh Hefner funded all this. And so birth control was basically the, the funded, the, 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 the money was, came from Hugh Hefner to pay for the lawsuit because he wanted to put all his prostitutes on, on birth control so he could get a lot of 10 years out of them without having any babies. 
1966, the Church of Satan was founded in San Francisco, California. 1967, uh, the uh, Catholic college presidents in this country called the Lando Lakes Conference, they basically said, we're no, go we're no longer going to listen to the Vatican here in America, call Catholic colleges. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to decide what we're going to teach. And so Catholic colleges, when they wrote that, all the presidents of Catholic colleges, they started hiring Protestant teachers, Hindu teachers, Buddhist teachers, Muslim teachers, atheist teachers, homosexual teachers. Why? They said, we're, not, we're no longer going to listen to the teachings of the church. That happened in 1967. Uh, 1968, uh, the Supreme Court legalizes pornography on the big screen. 1969. Uh, Anton, Levine, Le, uh, Le, Anton LeVay writes the Satanic Bible. 1969, the gay rights movement starts in Stonewall Inn on Greenwich Street in, Gre in Greenwich Village, New York City. 1969, Woodstock Festival, ushering in, in the hippie movement, free love. 1970, the gay pride parade started, the first one in Los Angeles. I got a chapter, if you want to know what happened in our country, I document this 40 years. All morality. How does Satan attack our country? The catechism says morality. He knows exactly where to go after. I just laid out the problem for you. Now, this is why our Lord Jesus Christ, when he's asked about how many people go to heaven, he says, few. It's, it's very simple. It's very simple. As a Catholic, who am I? I'm a child of God. At baptism, at confirmation, I became a soldier of Christ. What am I doing here on earth? Baltimore Catechism, question six, answer, question six, answer six. I am here to know, love, and serve God in this lifetime, and when I die, and die I will, to be with God forever in the next. We're not going to be here that long. We were not made for planet Earth. We were made for heaven. We're all just passing through. Planet Earth is transitional. Planet Earth is like a P.O. box, okay? We'll be out. The Bible says in Psalm 90 that the average person lives between 70 and 80. We're not going to be here that long. And when we die, and die, 100% of us in this church are going to die, you're either going to go to heaven or hell. And the way you go to heaven, I'm going to get into it deep in the next topic. And it's permanent. Anybody in heaven, they never want to come back to this rat hole. And hell is permanent as well. If you ever, if you ever want to see, read something sober, go on the internet and type in, it's only two pages, type in St. Faustina's vision of hell. It'd be a good thing for you to do. Get on your computer when you get home tonight, type, it's only two pages. Jesus took St. Faustina by the hand in 1931 and her guardian angel held her other hand. She said, if they would not have held my hands, I would have died of fright. They took her into hell and Jesus told her in 1931, write everything that you see because people no longer believe they need to know what what awaits people that live and die in mortal sin live it some people tell some people say well just everybody wants to go to heaven are you kidding me 
Everybody wants to go to heaven? Fidel Castro, right before he died, the, the communist uh, dictator, he was asked by a Spanish reporter, they did an interview a few months before he died, they asked him, Mr. Castro, when you die, you know, you've been Cuba's president for 40 years, where are you going to go when you die? He said it. I'm going to hell. I'm going with all my friends. He says, I'm going with Stalin. I'm going with uh, Hitler. I'm going with Ho Chi Minh, Pol Pot. Uh, he goes, I'm going with all my friends. He died a few months after. The Venezuelan dictator, when he died, I forget his name, people that were there said that he was screaming when he was dying, screaming, saying, no, no, don't take me, don't take me, no. They said he, he, he died of horror in his face. Sololinsky, he's on YouTube. He's a community organizer in Chicago that started all this Marxist revolution in our country back in the 60s. They asked Sololinsky, when you die, where are you going to go? He said, oh, that's simple. He says, I'm going to go to hell. He says, I'm a, I'm a community organizer. When I go to hell, I'm going to organize hell for Satan. The, uh, so I'm just telling you right now, there are people that want to go to hell. Some of you guys say, come on, Jess, nobody wants to go to hell. You're wrong. You're wrong. I'll leave it. I'll, I'll, and I wrote, a, when I was a rookie cop, the first thing you have to do in, in the sheriff's department, you got to work in the county jail for a few years before you go, you're assigned to a patrol station. I was an LA deputy sheriff, which is the largest sheriff's department in the world. And I worked the Los Angeles County Jail, which is the biggest jail in the world. For six months in the LA County Jail, I had to work a section called the Mentally Ill Offenders Unit. That's where we had our satanic, psychopath, sociopath, serial killers, mass murders that were fighting their case. They were fighting their court case. And some of them were already convicted. They were just being, awaiting transportation to, to death row or, or, or lifers in prison. I talked to a lot of guys, Richard, the Night Stalker, the Hillside Strangler, the Freeway Killers. I talked to a lot of killers. A lot of them want to go to hell. They said, Richard Ramirez, why do you, you killed 40, after he got convicted, he would talk, he would openly talk. He got convicted. He killed 40 women. He, we convicted him of 16. He goes, you guys don't know where the other 24 are at. You'll never find out. So I asked him because once he got convicted, they, they'll talk. I said, why do you do all this? I mean, what, he goes, I do for Satan. I said, why? I want to understand. I'm a Catholic. What? He says, Satan likes blood. He goes, that's how we worship Satan. He says, killing a human being is a blood sacrifice to Satan. You don't understand. I said, I do understand because as a Catholic, we offer God the Father the Eucharist, which is, he goes, Satan has told me in the LA County Jail, they said, what you as Catholics do in the Mass, he says, that's the parallel what we do when we kill somebody, you guys offer the blood of Jesus Christ to God the Father in the Mass. That's what the Mass is. It's the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ made present and the priest offers that sacrifice of Calvary to God the Father. Satanists do the same thing. Abortion is a satanic sacrifice and a Satanist that kills somebody for Satan, that's a blood sacrifice to Satan. I've talked to many Satanists in the county jail as my, my career as a cop over in LA. Do you know what? Every Satanist and witch has told me 
You guys are the true religion. They know it. I said, which religion speaks with the authority of God? They say the Roman Catholic Church. You guys were started by Jesus Christ. Satanists and witches have told me all the other religions have no power. Have no power. You guys are our enemies. Okay, let's wrap it up in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray to our guardian angel. Repeat after me. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom the love of God commits me here. Be ever this day at my side to light, to guard, to rule, and to guide. Let's call upon St. Michael's intercession all together. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. Mother of God, pray for us in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That was the bad news. I'll give you the good news this afternoon.